Father in heaven, we pray now, Lord, that your spirit that has warmed our hearts, opened our hearts, prepared our hearts, will now clear our ears and free up our understanding that your words might get to our hearts and that we might love one another more truly and better. In Jesus' name, amen. So this year we are focusing on a theme we're calling Heart to Heart. And throughout this year we're going to be visiting this theme in different ways. And we're we're now moving into our second series of the year. And one of the key things we've been doing this year, from the beginning of this year, is a reminder to ourselves uh, that those folks that we come here with, even if we haven't had the chance to get to know them, we are linked together in this place. And so I want you again, as we've done many times, to take a second and look around you. Look at the different people around you. Turn your heads. You have to turn your heads to do it. There you go. Look around you at the variety of people here. Some you've seen, some people you know, some you've seen lots of times. You have no idea who they are. Some you've probably never seen before. But here they are. Let me let you in on a little something about these people. And if you know it, you can say it with me. Are you ready? These are the people I love. All right, so today is particularly special to me because there is one of the people that I love who hasn't been here for a real long time. The choir knows all about this because you can see. But my wife Alicia is here today. (laughs) So this is her first Sabbath back since I think you stood up here and, and talked a little bit about the building project and the kids came up here with you and yeah, it's been a while. Aaron's hair is long now, so that's how long it's been since she was here, uh, but we're so pleased. It's wonderful to have the media ministry we have because Alicia's been able to stay in touch. She's watched us week after week and saw whenever the choir misbehaved behind me, <laughs> so you know that happened. So, but she's been able to join us and be a part uh, and what a blessing that ministry is. Thank you to Patty and the rest of them who do such a good job. But so glad you're here. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> it's not going to be for a really long time, and I'll get to that in a second, because uh, we start the small group series today. We've done that every March and every April uh, for the last several years. We have a small group study that we prepare to go along with the sermons each time. Now, we haven't built it up as much this year because we're focusing on different things and there's been a lot going on, uh, but I have written up a, a couple of the studies already and the first one's available online. Go to the church website. You can download the study that will prepare you for next Sabbath. And I encourage you to get together. If you've got a group and, and you want to do this, take that study. If you want to get a group together and do it, you want to do it with your family, uh, make yourself, uh, well, get, take what's available and use it because it will help make this a richer time. We're going to be focused on relationships over these next few weeks through April 21. Now, an apology to my small group that usually meets with me on Tuesday nights. I can't do it this Tuesday. And the reason I can't this Tuesday, so we're going to have to miss the first one and we may have to miss another one. But the reason we can't do it this week is because As we started piecing certain things together, it became clear that uh, this was a good time for Alicia and I to get away for a couple of days. So uh, as soon as I'm done here, yeah, that's going to be good. So in fact, is Steve here? Maybe Steve just take over. We'll head out right now. 
No, there he is. All right. No, no. We're going to go ahead and finish. Um, but the reason for that is because Alicia finally has, we're pretty sure, <laughs> a scheduled date for her surgery, which will be on March 30. So she'll be able to be here a couple Sabbaths, and then, uh, then she'll have her surgery, and we'll be out for a little bit again at that point. But uh, so that's, this was really the only chance we had to get away, because uh, Nathan's coming next week, and then it's the week. Anyway, you know how family goes. So, but, so that's where we're at. Now, we're going to be focused in this series um, on stories of relationships, and mostly stories from relationships from the early part of Israel's history, either the time of the judges or the early days uh, of King David or Samuel or around in that time frame. And that's, we're going to be looking at those stories and maybe taking a slightly different angle on them than you might normally think. But why all this focus on relationship? Well, for one thing, there's this. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 36. So someone came to Jesus and asked this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, so we talk about love for God, and we've talked about that a lot, but we're focusing this year on love for one another. Why? Because it's one of the two things upon which everything depends. Thus the series this year, Heart to Heart. This is actually contained within uh, the vision of this church, the GPS, the passion for God, passion for people, passion for service. It's this same idea. It's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Tim was up here with me, and we talked about the natural church development process where we did a survey of various leaders in the church, and it showed that one of our areas of opportunity is to grow in this area of showing our love to one another. Now, this church is full of loving people but because of a lot of things, three services, a big room, engagements in other places. We haven't always been the best at showing each other that love that we have in our hearts. So that's what we're going to focus on this year, to learn to better show our love to each other. Not just in this setting, but with all of our neighbors. And we'll talk about that idea a little more as we go along. But uh, to help as we go along this year, there's a little something we came up with, and you may want to get in on this later on. And that is that uh, we got t-shirts this year. So you can get a t-shirt once those are done. I don't know that you can wear them to sing in, but you can get a t-shirt, a heart-to-heart t-shirt that says, these are the people I love. So look for that coming up. Patty put that together for us, and uh, we'll make that available at some time in the future. But today I want to talk to you about what I'm calling the relational hub. Now, this grew out of a discussion we were having at staff meeting, and Pastor Mark played a big part in in creating this concept for us. We listed a lot of things in our meeting as as what relationships are, and, and maybe some of these sound familiar to you. Relationships are fragile. They can be broken, can't they? Relationships are real, or at least they should be. We shouldn't be faking. Relationships can be messy sometimes. Have you been down that road? Sometimes relationships are dysfunctional, but so far I'm just saying negative stuff. Let's go the other way. Relationships are beautiful. Relationships can be redemptive. 
Relationships are extremely valuable, but because they are so valuable, relationships can be risky. Things of value require investment. Investment means risk. So I want to introduce this idea of the relational hub. So, so here you are. So Patty, put you up there. There you go. That's you. You're that dot right there. Every one of you, that's you. All right? Every one of us sits at the hub of a series of relationships. Now, important note here. This does not make you the center of the universe. (laughs) And if you think it does, then it probably makes everyone connected with you quite miserable and quite eager to disconnect from your hub. So a better way of thinking of this is that the spokes that come off of this hub represent your opportunities to be a blessing. So you can only be a blessing to the contacts you have. So the hub that comes, the spokes that come off of you connect you. And off of those spokes, you have different relationships, different ones. So you may not be able to read that, but it's spouse and and you've got kids and then there's extended family. You've got friends, you've got work. That's an environment. You have neighbors there, the church family. These are the neighbors in your life. But here's the thing about the relational hub. It has a way of getting very complicated sometimes and kind of messy. And I want to give you an example of how that can happen. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about Jacob. So we're going to put Jacob right there in the hub. He's right there at the center. Now Jacob's father was Isaac, his mother was Rebecca, and he had a brother named Esau. And as any little child born into a family, automatically knows these are the people I love because every child is dependent upon mom and dad and to some degree upon siblings for their very life. So I like to think there was at least some point, I mean there was even some wrestling in the, in the womb, but, but I'd like to think at at least some point these are the people I love was an easy thing for them to say, but it didn't really stay that way, did it? A little bit of time went on and that line between Esau and Jacob got a little rough. You have any relationships that look like that? It's not that straight line anymore. It's kind of tense. Well, why did it happen? Well, there was a whole lot of family stuff that went on here. Rebecca, who favored Jacob, wanted Jacob to get the blessing that Isaac, who favored Esau, was going to give to Esau. So Rebecca said to Jacob, pretend to be your brother. I'll make food. You go into him. He'll give you the blessing. Just think of all the ways those family ties got broken up in that event. All of the places where those links got messed up. Well, Jacob goes through with the plan and it completely destabilizes that home and it never really comes back together again. So much so that Jacob flees and he goes to Laban. Now, just show you how complicated family gets. Laban just happens to be the brother of Rebekah. So he goes off to Uncle Laban's house 
And, and just to make it even more complicated, uh, Laban is the great-grandson of Terah. Isaac is the grandson of Terah. So if we drew all the lines, it'd get really messy. But we're going to stay focused on Jacob here. So Jacob runs off to Laban, and it just turns out, as life sometimes does, that Laban has a couple daughters. Rachel, who Jacob finds very interesting and who seems interested in him as well, and another one named Leah who, yeah, whatever, Leah's there also, right? At least that's how Jacob sees it. So initially, Jacob's connecting up with Rachel, but there's nothing going on with Leah at this point. So Jacob says to Laban, I want to marry Rachel. Laban says, okay, work for me seven years and you can do it. Jacob says, deal. And the Bible says that those years seem nothing at all because he loved her so much. He gets to the end of the seven years and finally it's time to get married. And you remember what happened, right? He gets up the next day and it's not Rachel that he married. It was Leah. And now because of Laban, Jacob now has a connection with Leah and things between Rachel and Leah have become a bit squirrely at this point. And Jacob goes to Laban, and that relationship now is a little weird, I'll bet. He goes to Laban and says, what did you do? He says, he comes up with a lame excuse. Well, it's not the custom in our land to marry the younger first, so marry the older, and I'll give you Rachel as well, but you have to work for me another seven years. See how messy it can get? Well, we're just getting started. So it's very important in that culture to survival for the family to produce children and very important to produce sons because somebody needed to go out there in the field and do a lot of heavy lifting. And so this family now, Jacob with Leah and Rachel, well, children start coming, but they don't start coming the way that everybody might have wanted. It's Leah who turns out to be able to have the children and and along comes Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah and all these children are born and the relationship between Leah and Rachel gets worse. So bad in fact that Rachel starts thinking I gotta do something to get some sons. And she's looking around the house and she notices Billa. Billa is a servant that Laban gave to Rachel to be her personal servant. And so Rachel gets this idea and she goes to Jacob and says, hey, I, I have a thought. Since we're having a little trouble having sons, how about you also take Billa, who's actually my servant, and, and you can have some sons for me through her. Pretty sure that's not a great idea. You agree with me there? I don't understand the culture completely, but I'm pretty sure that's not a good idea. So Billa has two sons, but amazingly, the tension doesn't go away. Or not amazingly, the tension doesn't go away. In fact, now it's a little bit worse because you have legitimate sons of the unloved wife and marginally legitimate sons of the wife Jacob never really wanted in the first place. So Leah sees what's going on and she says, well, I got a servant too. So she volunteers Zilpah, her servant, 
And sure enough, Zilpah has a couple sons of her own. But still, it's not getting better, is it? The tension just keeps building and growing. Now Leah will then, after this, have a couple more sons herself. There'll be two more sons there. So now we're up to six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got ten sons now. And it is at this point that the Bible mentions that Leah also had a daughter named Dinah. Now we'll get back to her. She's going to be important in a minute. Finally, after all of this, Rachel has a son, Joseph. And Joseph is the beloved son, which is pretty awesome if you're Joseph, but kind of stinks if you're any of the other ten. The beloved son of the beloved wife that they've waited for for so long. Family gets messy, doesn't it? Well, we'll get back to Joseph in a minute. Jacob and his family move around and they go to an area of what later would be called Samaria and they're living there and it turns out that Dinah goes out to meet with some other girls that are friends in the area and she encounters a young man by the name of Shechem. Again, we don't really understand the culture all that well, but we're pretty sure this was not the right thing to do. Shechem forces himself on Dinah. And afterward, decides that he really loves her and wants to marry her. But all of this makes particularly her brothers, the sons of Leah, pretty irritated about what has happened. Now Jacob himself is now forced into a relationship he may not have wanted. He's forced into a relationship with Shechem, with Hamar, Shechem's father, and with the Shechemites. So now he's got a relationship here, and they're coming to him and saying, I want to marry your daughter. And Leah's brothers come along and come up with an idea to make it unpleasant. They say, we can't do that. That would be wrong for us unless you all agree to be circumcised. It's a pretty big ask. But they decide to go along with this, and Shechem and his father and the rest of the men, the Shechemites, are circumcised. And the Bible says, after a couple days, when they were in pain, Simeon and Levi entered towns with swords and killed them all. What do you suppose that did to Dinah? Think about that story from her perspective. So the family moves on from there because they're not really welcome in that area anymore. And on the way, Rachel bears another son by the name of Benjamin. But with the birth of Benjamin, Rachel, the beloved wife, dies. You know, don't... don't go to the Bible and assume that the stories of the families in the Bible all went really well, only your family has problems. Right? This is a hard story. Rachel dies, and Benjamin is there, but then to make it all worse, the ten other brothers gang up on Joseph, throw him in a pit, and sell him to the Ishmaelites, if you really want to get ugly with this, who Ishmael is Isaac's 
half-brother. So they sell their brother to their half-cousins to be sold as a slave in Egypt. Now, I'm leaving out a lot of crazy details, such as the crazy story about Judah and Tamar and how that plays into it, or how Reuben, one of the sons of Leah, uh, gets involved with Bila, Jacob's third wife, would we call her that? And they become inappropriately involved. I mean, it, the lines just get crazy. The hub gets too complicated. And you begin to wonder when you look at this, I don't know. Are these the people I love? <laughs> Have you ever wondered that? So yeah, the Jacob hub gets pretty complicated, kind of like your hub, isn't it? Complicated. So many marginal decisions were made, and, and this happens in all of our hubs. We sit at the middle of that hub, and sometimes we make marginal decisions or just plain bad decisions, and it affects everybody in our hub. Sometimes we make great decisions, but somebody connected to us makes a bad decision, and it impacts us and everybody else as well, right? It gets really hard. First thing I want you to remember is we don't have to make bad decisions. Now, we do, and God is gracious. But I want you to remember your family doesn't have to be a train wreck to be valid. We are allowed to make good choices, and I want to encourage you to make good choices. And I hope you have made good choices, and I hope you will continue to make good choices. But I don't want to stop there, because there's a couple other points I want to make as we close today. So now I want you, this is Jacob's hub again. And you see how crazy it got. So what was Jacob's summation of his own life? It's actually very interesting. Genesis chapter 47, verse 7. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? I want, Jacob must have looked pretty old for Pharaoh to say, how old are you? Verse 9, and Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. Now notice his summation of his life. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Jacob got to the end of all of that and looked back and said, this has been tough. It's so true, so filled with bad decision-making by so many. But here is the first point I want you to get. Despite everything that didn't go right in Jacob's family, still, God kept His promises to this family, and through this family, the Savior was born into the world. Through that, the Savior came into the world. So here's the first point. Never give up on the people that you love. Even when things seem to go completely wrong because God is in the business of keeping His promises and He has a history of using even crazy families 
and broken situations to accomplish His eternal purpose. So don't give up on the ones you love. Keep praying. Keep believing. And keep trying as long as it is possible to keep trying. Relationships are tough sometimes. God knows this. And God sees you. He knows your hub and He knows your situation. And He will help you even if your years have been difficult and few. Don't lose hope. So that's the first point. And here's the second point. This is you. And these are the spokes that come out from you. This is your relational hub. You sit at the hub of a relational reality. And you are connected to many people in your hub. So just some examples. Spouse, kids, extended family, friends, work associations, church family. You can probably add others in there. Here's what I want you to understand. This right here. These are the people I love. Because those are the people you're in contact with. That's your hub. When you say that phrase, these are the people I love. Now we say it first, meaning those of us here at church. But it's bigger than that for each of us. When you say that phrase, that's who you need to be talking about. Now it doesn't always mean these are the people I like really well right now. But because God has connected you with these people, these are your neighbors. And what are we supposed to do for our neighbors? We're supposed to love them as we love ourselves. So these are your neighbors. Now here's where it gets tricky. It's hard enough for you to behave yourself and for them to behave themselves with you, right? That's hard enough. But the problem is they're free to associate or misassociate with each other, right? So here we go. Sometimes spouse and extended family just don't get it on very well, right? But they're still in your hub, aren't they? Sometimes friends and church family don't work out the way we want them to. Sometimes you wish the people you worked with didn't go to church with you. Sometimes your kids want nothing to do with church family. You don't get to choose everything about your hub. But you do need to love the people in your hub. You sit at the center of the hub for a reason. But the reason isn't because the universe is supposed to revolve around you. You sit at the center because these are the people God has called you to love and called you to bless, even when they aren't always loving or a blessing to you or to each other. These are your people. Can you do it? Can you love these people? How you go about loving the people you love will make a huge difference in the experience of your life. But the best news of all here is that God has not left us on our own without any idea what we should do. And we're going to be unpacking that as this series goes along. It won't be exhaustive. There's, 
The Bible is full of advice for us, but we're going to look at stories that will help us know how to love. But today I want to close with this passage where Moses is speaking to the descendants of this crazy family of Jacob because, you know, they were called, what were they called? The children of Israel. Now, Israel's not a title. Israel's the name of a man. God gave Jacob the name Israel after they wrestled through the night. They are the children of Israel. There's a challenge in these words, and you need to hear these words as spoken to you and see if you want to accept this challenge. We're going to read part of it again in a second, but I want you to hear the whole thing here. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. Moses said to them, to the children of Israel, the family, carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel together with your children and your wives and the foreigners living in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he has promised you and as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am making this covenant with its oath, not only with you who are standing here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here today. Guess which ones you are? You are the ones who were not there that day. But this oath applies to you if you believe. Because if you believe, and if God has made you His people, you have by faith become a part of that messed up family of Jacob that I just told you about. Not sure you feel good about that, are you? But that is God's chosen people. That is God's family. And through Jesus Christ, we are all invited to be a part of the family and descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this covenant isn't just for them. This is for you too. So there is a commitment call here to all of us who by faith are descended from this crazy family of Jacob. And here it is. Deuteronomy 29 verse 12. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God. A covenant the Lord is making with you at the center of your relational hub. A covenant that the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as His people that He may be your God as He promised you and as He swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has invited us to be a part of the family. By God's grace, may we be a blessing to everyone in our hub. 
because I think you know by now, these are the people I love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, look upon our hearts right now and know that we want to enter into this covenant with you. That we want to be included in this family. That we want to honor your covenant in our lives and show love to all the people that we love. Those that you have put in our relational hub. It's going to take grace, Lord, beyond what we have. But by making the right choices, you will be there to help. You will carry us. You will help us. You will bring us through. We don't have to ever lose hope. Because you brought your son Jesus out of this story. You can bring us out of ours. Send us your grace and your love and your mercy and your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.